What's going on, everybody? My name is Patrick. And my name is Luke. And this is Comets in Medicine. We're two seniors here at UTD who are just finishing up the 2022 medical school application cycle. On this podcast, we'll be talking about the process of applying to medical school and providing relevant advice, resources, and information to increase your chances of success. We'll share our own experiences, interview exceptional alumni and students, and empower you to become successful Comets in Medicine. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us on this installment of Comets in Medicine. Today, I'm going to be interviewing Luke Kaufman, the co-anchor of this podcast. Today, we really just want to give you an overview of what his experience has been like, a bit about his background, and how that helped him be a phenomenal medical school applicant. And in true medical school fashion, Luke, I want you to imagine that I am an admissions dean. And I ask you, tell me about yourself. Yeah, so I grew up in the South, mostly. I was born in North Carolina. Um, My dad is a newspaper editor and my mom's a teacher. I have an older brother who's four years older than me. Growing up, moved around a lot. So I moved from North Carolina to Tennessee when I was six. While I was in Tennessee, I had a lot of transition. I moved schools like just about every couple of years after the fourth grade for one reason or the other. There's a lot of transition um, during that time period. And my junior year of high school, we moved from Tennessee to Kansas, and that was a pretty impactful moment for me. Previously, before that, um, the biggest thing that I cared about was soccer, <laughs> and I had a lot of work ethic, and I really um, strove to be successful in that area. I really wanted to play college soccer, but when I got to Wichita, several things happened, the first of which was that <laughs> I found myself out of my little small town environment and was starting to realize that maybe soccer wasn't a super sustainable um, life plan. <laughs> and second, I found myself in the classrooms of a couple of really influential teachers who really pushed me academically and encouraged me. And I think those two forces really changed my kind of direction in life. Um, so when I graduated from high school, I really was looking for a school with a good science program that I could get a good scholarship from. And most importantly, that would not be in Kansas. Um, so yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to move. I wanted to get a new experience. And so each of made that possible for me. And I was really excited to come down here. And yeah, since my time at UTD has started, I've had a really rich experience. I've gotten to be involved in a lot of different areas. I've explored a few different career paths and ultimately through that process, I've landed here in front of you today, Mr. Theoretical Medical School Dean. <laughs> okay, so take me back to your freshman year at UT Dallas. Yeah. Give me the highlight reels. Yeah, so I came in, I think I was I was pretty excited to just get plugged in and get involved. I moved so many times that I had kind of learned that that was the, really the best thing I could do was just to get in and get my hands dirty and start making relationships and getting involved in things. So yeah, first thing on campus, I got involved in focus which is fellowship of christian university students that's been a big um part of my experience here spiritually personally and relationally with my friends as well that's really been a huge blessing in my life and then outside of that i found my way into a couple of really cool service opportunities in dallas the first was agape clinic so i started working with them to get certified to be a volunteer medical assistant in my fall semester And then in the spring of my freshman year, I was able to start working with patients and doing that kind of stuff actively. And then I 
just through like cold emailing some places, got involved with a women and children's shelter in downtown Dallas that Union Gospel Mission runs. It's called um, Center of Hope. So it's a center for women and children who are experiencing homelessness to come and stay. And I ended up by no like volition of my own starting a mentorship program for the boys who are at that, um, at that shelter. And that's a pretty, pretty neat story, but not one that I have time for right now. (laughs) We'll see. But, um, so that was, that was pretty impactful. It was really my first kind of gritty experience with people in need and people whose lives looked very different than my own and kind of starting something by myself and building something. So that was really neat. And then obviously the healthcare experience at Agape Clinic was huge. Um, that was pretty reinforcing for me of like, okay, yeah, I think I really do want to go into this. Um, mm. You know, walking on campus, I wasn't, I wasn't like a thousand percent sure that I wanted to be a doctor. Growing up, I never really wanted to do that. I didn't like school. So I didn't want to go to medical school or do any of this stuff. Mm. Um, but like I said, moving to Kansas kind of started to change the way I saw academics Um and that kind of started to play out, but I wasn't hundred percent sure, but my attitude was kind of like, I am going to act like I'm pre-med until proven otherwise. So I was doing everything I could to, yeah, try and explore medicine as a career and also build my resume if I wanted to apply to medical school because I knew it was competitive. And then what did sophomore year look like? Yeah. So moving into sophomore year, it really was a continuation of a lot of the experiences that I had with the addition of research. So the summer after my freshman year, I started in a research lab. I trained for like four, like four weeks. And then I went to Mexico for like seven weeks, basically two months with a, basically a charity organization down there that my family has worked with for many years. And I went there as an intern for a couple of months. I actually been there the summer before my freshman year. Um, So I was, that's kind of how I split my summer up. I got trained in the lab, went and spent a couple months in Mexico. That ministry builds houses. So as an intern, I was responsible for coordinating mission groups that would come down to build houses. I would translate and teach them how to lay cinder blocks and mix cement and pour a roof and all this. It's it's awesome. I I love being down there. Um, So yeah, that was my summer. And then, like I said, my sophomore year was really just kind of an expansion of those initial experiences with the addition of, of research. So I started doing about 10 to 15 hours a week in a research, in that research lab. I took a leadership position in focus, leading a small group Bible study. And I continued working at Agape as I could. I was no longer working at Union Gospel Mission with that um, homeless program, just due to some just scheduling issues. Honestly, it was, it was di- becoming difficult to get down there. And then I got into some really impactful shadowing experiences my sophomore year. So in the fall, I shadowed with some physicians that work in Baylor Scott and White's community care system of clinics. So that was a super impactful experience. That's a lot of why I became super confident that I wanted to go into medicine. Um, Seeing the kind of social justice um, advocacy side of medicine really kind of blew my mind. I remember sitting in the office of one of the physicians and he pulled up a map of of downtown Dallas. And it was a study that Southwestern had did done where they like totaled up the average life expectancy in every zip code. 
and then they put it on a map and he pointed to where we were and he said people don't realize that if you walk across i-30 the life expectancy drops by like i think it's like 16 years wow and that like absolutely like blew my brain to pieces like I had, nobody had ever talked to me about that before and I, I i i would probably have assumed that inequity in healthcare was a problem but i would have never even get, ventured to guess yeah. and you're talking about a difference between a life expectancy of like 82 and like under 65 <laughs> like it's ridiculous so that really was super impactful those physicians really um were good mentors for me and I think it was the first time where I walked into somewhere and was like, this is what I want to do with my life right here. This, this is it. Um, yeah. And so from there, I was like, I'm like 100% in with medicine and becoming a physician. So what did you do with that momentum your junior year? Yeah. So going into junior year, I, at some point on the way, I began working as a TA for one of the professors in the biology department. Um, and I think so my junior year end of sophomore year kind of starts my experience in teaching. Um, so I got involved as a teaching assistant for that, for that course. And then my junior year, I got hired with the SI program. And so that was kind of a big shift. So between sophomore and junior year, right. Spring of sophomore year for Patrick and I was COVID lockdown, like beginning. Mm, yeah. So junior year, everything I was doing was online. I had no more healthcare experience after about January of 2020, nothing mm -hmm. like literally there's nothing on my resume that is healthcare related after January, 2020. Um, but I was really fortunate to get involved in teaching in, in the way I did in the time that I did. So my fall semester, junior year, I was a teaching assistant for that course. And I also started working as an SI leader for biochemistry. Um, and that was, really what I ended up spending a lot of my time doing was, was teaching, um, outside of school. I was definitely pouring a lot of hours into that. I also took an administrative role within focus. So I was like president of admin operations. Honestly, that wasn't that big of a task, but it was kind of a, it was a transition for me. Um, and yeah, so continued involvement there, just not as direct leadership. And then I really cranked up my research lab time. So at the end of my junior year, I produced a poster presentation from my lab that was kind of my work. So those are kind of my focuses my junior year. Um, in between sophomore and junior year, I took the MCAT. So I took it right before fall semester junior year. So that's what I spent my summer doing. And then, yeah, I rolled into that. And then by the end of junior year, I mean, I was starting to work on applications. Um, so following my junior year that summer i applied for this program so you've probably heard of the peace corps but what most people haven't heard about is americorps so americorps is very similar to the idea of the peace corps except it's u.s focused so it's a government-funded program but it's designed for service within the united states so i applied to a dallas um, americorps program through City Square. Um, if you want the information for that, we can link it, honestly. I know they would love to have applications. Um, and I ended up getting it. And it was really neat because a lot of the experiences I'd had in Dallas with Union Gospel Mission, with Agape, I think helped me get that 
position. And I, I got some pretty, I got some recommendation letters from some of those people that I think really helped me get there. And that was really this kind of capstone experience for me of like all of a lot of what I did, I think ended up kind of funneling into that um, experience. So, yeah. Tell me a bit more about that. What it was like. Yeah. I, so the AmeriCorps program, it'll, they'll place you at a nonprofit in Dallas. This one, particularly there's ones all over the country, but this one will place you in Dallas. They have a list of people that they can place you with. I really wanted to work with um, homeless charities and homeless outreach because I'd done some of that and really wanted to continue. I was passionate. I found that I was pretty passionate about it. So I requested to be placed at a homeless shelter and I ended up being placed at the bridge homeless recovery center in downtown Dallas. And I could not have asked for a better experience. So what I ended up doing at the bridge, I came in as an intern and I ended up being placed in the intake department of the bridge. So that's where if somebody comes off the street, gets discharged from the hospital, released from prison, released from the psych ward, rolls into town for the first time and doesn't have a place to stay, is homeless, that's where they would end up on our doorstep. So it's basically my job was to get people into the facility that required filling out a lot of paperwork. I had to interview them. I had to write a case note. I had to provide recommendations to other services and I had to refer them to a caseworker. So basically a social worker in the, within the bridge that they would go and see. I would like give them a tour of the facility and I would get them connected to that social worker as quick as I could. So essentially what I did over the summer was spent time sitting with people that was, was probably a, one of the lowest points in their lives and getting to hear their story and ask them questions. And yeah, it was, yeah, so impactful to just form those relationships and to experience that kind of a social, really, yeah, social work environment really is what it was. Um, that's what all of the people that I worked with were social workers. Um, and you know, that, that experience wasn't strictly medical, but I walked away from it being like, dang, this makes me want to be a physician because if you added in biomedical science to this, I'm sold, right? Like mm. it was, yeah. I mean, I, I talk about homelessness. It's kind of this like chronic social disease in a way, like there's proximal causes and distal causes and there's underlying factors and there's institutional problems. And, it, you know, it's all mixed together. Like the same inequalities that I see in medicine, you see in homelessness way more pronounced. <laughs> So you're, yeah. you're talking about a situation where 80% of the people who are in the who are homeless in Dallas have a co-occurring disorder, which means they have a severe mental health diagnosis and a substance abuse issue. And so, yeah, interacting with that on a daily basis was really humbling. I think that the biggest takeaway from that experience was realizing that if I was in those people's shoes, I'd be in the same place. Hmm. Tell me about what it was like as a senior. Yeah. You were coming off of this experience at the very, <laughs> very informative. It yeah. Really changed the way that you viewed the world, mm -hmm. viewed yourself. Yeah. What did that mean for you? What did that look like? Yeah. I think <laughs> I was tired. <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I had been applying, to, I applied to medical school while I was working at the bridge. So I, you know, we were just writing essays like a freaking madman. Me and Patrick would meet up after work 
um, and just like write until we couldn't form cohesive sentences <laughs> any longer. Um, so I was, ti- I was tired. I really was that experience. Although it was fulfilling, it was, it was emotionally draining. So yeah, coming to the senior year, I knew I needed to scale back. Um, I was just too, I was getting too burned out. So I kind of stopped, I stopped working in the lab that I was working in and that was a big chunk of time given back to me. I actually ended up dropping a minor that I had. So I had had a Spanish minor and a public health minor, but I dropped the public health minor. So I was too overwhelmed. And so just kept the Spanish. So that dropped my hours in the semester down a good bit. I focused on what gave me life and what I found fulfilling. So I've really spent this year. I took a, took back a leadership position and focus leading a helping lead a small group has spent a lot of time investing in people and forming relationships. And that's something that's very life-giving for me. I have invested a lot of time in music. Something I've completely left out of the discussion is that I am the pianist for the UTD jazz band or was, I'm not anymore, but I was a pianist for the UTT jazz band for my entire time in college. Um, so yeah, I was still doing that in the fall of the semester. So playing in jazz band every day, I have a jazz trio that I play with actually, and it's just me and two other of my friends. So I was doing that more often and yeah, honestly, that was, that's really all I've, <laughs> all I've done. Oh, the SI program. I'm still, I'm still working the SI program. So I took a, a leadership position there as a team leader in the fall of this semester. And that's also something that really um, is very fulfilling for me. I love teaching. So I was teaching biochem in the fall. And this semester I've transitioned to an administrative role in the SI program where I don't teach sessions anymore, but I'm just kind of involved in management and keeping the program running administratively. So yeah, I think my, my mindset going this senior year was like, it's time to, like, I'm just gonna do what gives me life and what's, what's fulfilling to me because I was so tired and burnt out. Um, so I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, and obviously interview season was kind of all of this, the fall of senior year. So that was pretty hectic as well. Um, and yeah, now this semester, kind of the same thing. I'm really have scaled back my hours even more. I'm taking like nine hours right now. So that's really nice. Um, spending my time yeah, at work in the SI program and with focus doing those sort of things. I'm working on my capstone for the honors college, which is going to be in uh, jazz piano, actually. So I'll be doing a performance at the end of the semester. So, yeah, like I said, just in, just enjoying the sitting back and enjoying all that I have. Yeah, sitting back. I mean, you've been working, man. You've been working for, for four years. That's yeah, something like that. <laughs> lots of experiences. Um, if you'll humor me, I'd love to go back a little bit. Yeah. To your time as an underclassman. You know, you talk about all these really interesting experiences that had this snowball effect, right? Mm-hmm. But how did you find those? Yeah. Where did you go? How did you get connected? You know? Yeah. So the way that I was able to find a lot of those experiences, it started with trying to make social connections on campus and figure out the lay of the land. So I was involved in a couple of pre-med orgs early on. One of them was HOSA, which is a pretty big um, kind of social and volunteerism group. They actually helped me get connected to Agape. So I heard about Agape at one of their meetings. That's how I found that opportunity, got signed up and I got the contact info for the coordinator of volunteerism there, started communicating with her. Um, You know, I think I learned pretty early on that you don't be afraid to cold email and don't be afraid to follow up people. So 
Mm-hmm. When I was getting started Agape, like I like I wasn't hearing back from them and like didn't know what to do. I just kept emailing them. <laughs> I did. I just kept following up. And eventually I was able to get all my training done and get into the system where I could work on my own and schedule my own volunteer hours and stuff. Mm. So I think being really persistent is key. Um, don't be rude, but be persistent. Like, yeah. what's the worst that's going to happen? And so that was a big part of that. I also made some connections with upperclassmen that were really helpful. One guy in particular who's a year older than me and is at Southwestern now was very helpful for finding experiences and getting advice from, I'll talk about that in a little bit later. And then also HPAC. I mean, I think there were some experiences that I looked at from their pre-health emailing lists. I never actually got involved in a lot of them because I ended up getting involved in Agape so quickly. It was like, well, I already have this. But that's also another resource that I think can be really helpful. So that's kind of how I found them. As far as some of the others that weren't as healthcare related, I really recommend just doing your research. If there is an area of service that you're interested in, basically guaranteed someone is doing that somewhere in DFW. (laughs) And some of those people more than likely could use your help, especially if if you make it known to them that you're passionate about this. And if you're a good volunteer while you're there. Um, so that's how I found like Union Gospel Mission, that mentorship program that I started. I was doing my research on, on homeless organizations and signed up to be a volunteer and then I emailed their volunteerism coordinator because it wasn't it wasn't going through and like all of those kind of things. So making those personal contacts, don't just fill out a form online, but like also send an email to somebody in charge of it. That was all that was also super helpful. And then I think. Once you've gotten started, your experiences build on each other. So, you know, I mentioned that that experience at the bridge was really built upon those other experiences that I'd had in the community. So once you get your foot in the door in an area, continue to look for, okay, where can I, what's the next step? Um, So having that experience at Union Gospel Mission, having a rec letter from the head of that program was very helpful when the people at the bridge interviewed me. And I was like, yeah, I've actually done work with one of your community partners in this specific area. And I have a recommendation letter from them. Here you go. (laughs) That was, uh, I think, really key as well. So that's, yeah, how I've kind of found the experiences throughout my time here. Yeah. So how did you make the most of those experiences when you actually found them? When, when, When you're in the Agape Clinic, you've been persistent you sent the emails and now mm-hmm. you're a medical assistant. Yeah. What does it look like to be successful and what was your mentality um, mm-hmm. in those experiences? Yeah. Then the first thing that comes to mind is just be bold. I know that's maybe a bit of a stare, like a cliche statement. What, what do I mean by that? Be willing to learn new things, be willing to step out of your comfort zone. If somebody's asking you to do it, it means that they're a okay with you doing that thing and believe that you're capable of learning. So I think in some of those experiences, I really had to step out of um, my comfort zone and it actually paid off in big ways. So at at UGM, where I did that mentorship program, that was not something that I felt super comfortable doing. Um, I remember having a conversation with that coordinator and be like, hey, I don't know if I'm really equipped to do this super well. Like, are you are you okay with me trying? I'm willing to try. And I'll be like, yeah, like, let's, let's do it. I'll connect you to our, you know, our, our, our head of, curriculum and education and you guys can go over your lesson plans every week and 
let's let's see what happens so that was huge for me in those two areas i think another thing is to build relationships with people and be intentional about that especially your supervisors you know it's important to to build those relationships i think you'll get a lot out of it mentorship wise it'll make you better at your what you're doing because they will probably give you lots of wisdom and insight into the whatever volunteering work you're doing right there and it's going to help you in big ways in the future so be intentional about interacting with your supervisors and talking to them and trying to get to know them and the people you're working with there as well. Um, I think that volunteer organizations really value the volunteers that take the work personally and who take responsibility and ownership of it. And so one way to demonstrate that is to really be intentional about building relationships with the clients you're around, the people that you're serving and the other like maybe employees of that organization, really integrating yourself into that environment as if you were an employee. So I think that the biggest piece of advice, especially for like volunteering experiences, is to treat it like it's a job. When you walk in there, you are going to act just like the employees are going to act. You're going to dress like they're going to dress. You're going to take responsibility like they take responsibility. If you make a mistake, own up to it. If you're going to be late, tell whoever's in charge of you that you're going to be late. Try and have a consistent schedule when you're going to be there. Those kind of things are going to show these people that you're taking ownership of what you're doing. And I think for you personally, it's going to make that experience so much more valuable because now you're taking ownership of it and you're probably going to get a lot more out of it um, while you're involved. So if I could, yes, yeah, sum all of up what I just said is treat it like it's a job, take ownership of it, act like the employees you're acting. Yeah, I mean, I've, we've been friends for several years now, and I've seen how that strategy, you just treating your volunteer opportunities as a full-time job has really paid dividends in your life. Um, it's made you a phenomenal applicant and a phenomenal person. Um, but before I get sidetracked, really to close us out, if there are three pieces of advice that you could leave our audience with today, what, what would you tell them? Yeah, so in thinking about this part of the podcast ahead of time, it was difficult to, to come up with just three things. So the first one is a question. Where do you find your value as a person? For me, this has been a big struggle. It's really easy for me to put my value and kind of define myself by my GPA or my like application status or my MCAT score or my resume, whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. I want these like solid pieces of data. It's very easy for me to wrap my worth as a person up in my career, my professional goals. And something that has been really helpful for me and really life-changing is realizing that if I continue to put my value, my core value, my core identity as a person into how successful I am, I'm never going to be satisfied in life because especially in this field, there will always be something else to achieve. There always will be another step. You're going to be a, you're a pre-medical student before you were a pre-med, you were in high school trying to be in a good pre-med program you're a pre-med trying to get the next opportunity. You were trying to get the better MCAT score. You're trying to improve your GPA. 
you're trying to get into the best medical school. Once you're in medical school, you're trying to get into the best, have the best clinical coordinators and have the best research opportunities. And then you're going to try and get into the best residency. And then once you're in residency, you're going to try and be the best resident. And then once you're the best resident, you're going to try and get into a good fellowship. And once you're a fellowship, you're going to try and get to a good job. And then you're going to try and get into a better job and a better job. And it's just, it's endless. There will always be another accolade to get. And I think I realized at a deep, deep level that if I continue to live my life to find by that stuff, I was never going to be happy. I was never going to be fulfilled. And so for me, you know, I really find my value in my person from my faith. And that's a huge part of who I am. So realizing that and spending the time to invest in that and really grow my faith and yeah, ask God to show me my value as a person just as I am was incredibly important um, in my, in my career. So I don't know, you know, where's your value as a person? That's a big question. (laughs) I can't answer that for you. Um, But I would really encourage you to consider whether it's worth putting your value as a person, putting your value in on your status as a pre-med or as a medical student or as a resident or as a physician because there's so much more, I think, to this life that we're living than that stuff. So that's my first piece of advice, question, thing for reflection. My second one is to start trying to answer the question, why medicine right now? So why medicine, if you're not aware, is a pretty typical interview question that you're going to get of just like, why are you doing this? Tell me in a way that makes sense. And I would encourage you to even no matter where you are in your pre-med career to start wrestling with this question, start wrestling with questions like, why don't I want to go become a PA? Why don't I want to go become an NP? Why not a social worker? Why not dentistry? Why not teaching? Start to really wrestle with those kind of things and do the dirty work to figure out why, why don't I want to be a public health researcher? Cause I say, I want to, cause you're starting from a place probably of I like science and I want to help people. And what most people will tell you is like, oh, you idiot. Of course you want to be a medicine. You like science, you want to help people. How naive of you? No, that is a great place to start. Don't let anybody tell you that liking science and wanting to help people is a bad reason to think about going to medicine. No, that's great. And that's where everybody honestly comes from. So that's fine. But you got to go deeper than that and figure out why, why do I want to do this field that meets those criteria? Because there's lots of other fields that involve medicine, that involve science or even medicine and helping people that aren't being a physician. So really wrestling with those tough questions. I remember the first time somebody asked me that, I was like, oh, shoot, my entire existence is meaningless because I don't know why I don't want to be a nurse. That's my personality. <laughs> I tend to freak out about things. But I start wrestling with those questions. and doing the work to figure them out. Something that was really important for me was actually sitting down with some of those people, sitting down with a a researcher, sitting down with a nurse practitioner, asking them about their job, asking them why they went into it, asking them why they would go into that instead of going to this other field. That was super impactful. And so that leads me in my third point, which is to ask tons and tons of questions. If you're trying to answer that question, above of why medicine, this is a good place to start. Something that I think is really impactful is 
changing your mindset when you're going through your pre-med experiences. Stop thinking of them in terms of hours and resumes and competition with the person next to you and think of them as opportunities to learn from the people around you. And I think the best way to do that is to ask questions. So sit down with people in those fields and try to get advice. Sit down with yourself and reflect on why you want to go into this field and get to know people and their stories and think about your own and why that might lead you into medicine. So to rehash, where do you find your value as a person? Why medicine is a question you can start answering right now. And three, ask tons and tons of questions. There you have it, folks. Luke Kaufman, um, really appreciate you taking the time to share your story. It's, it's my hope that you guys listening out in the audience were able to get something out of it. And yeah, really appreciate you sharing your story, Luke. Yeah, thanks, man. Thank you so much for joining us on this installment of Comments and Medicine. If you have any questions, be sure to reach out to us at commentsandmedicine at gmail.com. Just a quick reminder that anything said in this podcast is reflective of our own beliefs and has no affiliation to UT Dallas or its organizations. Until next time, 